Tigers on Cage. Shoots and scores! Jesse and Lance talk Tigers and all things WHL with the voice of the Tigers, Bob Ridley. Tigers players, Tigers alumni, and insiders across the WHL. Here's your host, Jesse and Lance. of season one of Tigers Uncaged. As always, my name is Jesse, joined by Lance Dahl. This is a podcast dedicated to the Medicine Hat Tigers and a little bit of the WHL sprinkled in there as well. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of the thing. And uh, yeah, don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened, Dr. Seuss. Wow, great. (laughs) We learned that earlier this week, that Dr. Seuss had that quote. I've been saying it for a long time, didn't know. And this is a jam-packed finale yeah, for if you. If you've clicked uh, the play button, you saw that it's like an hour plus. Yeah, because we have a lot to get into. We are going to get a chance to talk to the associate coach, Joe Fraser, and kind of have a little bit of a respect to, or I don't know. Uh, a recap? Look back, a Does recap? That Is that a good word? Yeah, I think so. A, a view through Joe's eyes. Yeah, but you know, because we, we got to look at it through yourself as a color commentator, mm-hmm. me as the host, but I really want to get behind the scenes of the coaching staff, right? Yeah. Because especially that last game, because mm-hmm. we're not really familiar with a, a, a final game, knowing it's going to be the last one, right? Right. Because we usually make the playoffs. Don't want to brag about it, but we usually do. <laughs> Typically, yeah. But this was the one year we weren't going to make it, and so there was a weird feeling behind the scenes of that last game against Edmonton, mm. knowing that it was over. Yeah. And I got a chance to talk to Baker, of course, uh, Dan Baker, our captain. It was his final game. Mm-hmm. He's donezo. So I really want to know what happened like behind the scenes of that game. Right, yeah. Like, just how, how the ins and outs of it go in the room yeah. and stuff. Yeah. I'm really curious about that. Because not often does it happen. But, uh, but, yeah, we figured because we started the year with associate coach Joe Frazier, we would promptly end the year yeah. with, with Joe as well. We, uh, we, we don't – think we bothered him too much during the season we actually didn't reach out and, no and heckle him so no so it's like the the equity's built in joe you gotta join you yeah. have to be on the podcast and of course time. uh we're gonna talk to our good friend scott roblin who's been a huge impact of this podcast yeah and i'm guessing if you clicked it you already know that the medicine Hat tigers won the draft lottery yeah kind of buried the lead there didn't we yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's a bi- that's a big deal. Yeah. Um. We we talked to Joe as you'll hear before we knew the lottery results. Uh. We talked to Scott after we found out the results. Just kind of how it lined up because Joe's going on scouting trips and whatnot. But yeah. but yeah, number one overall pick will be in possession of the Medicine Tigers, which is and crazy. If you hear a lot of excitement in our voice when we talk to Scott, it's because we like just found out. Like right. that, it was very fresh yeah. when we <laughs> found out because it was so late in the day. Mm-hmm. We didn't get to record with Scott when we usually do, so we had to make it work and. Yeah. Kind of a later, but we just found out as we turn the mics on. Mm-hmm. So we got that and a whole bunch more on Tigers Uncaged. Come on. Check it out. Tigers Uncaged is powered by South Country Co-op. Tigers! More roar in a minute. We've been part of the farming community for generations. Planning. Advising. Getting our boots dirty. Helping farmers thrive and enhance their land. This is core to what we do because we believe that each crop should be grown with precision, grown with care, and grown with purpose. We are a different kind of business. We are building a legacy. We are South Country Co-op. 
For over 60 years, South Country Co-op has been part of our community. Families gathering around the table to talk about their day, share stories, laugh together, and just be there for one another. The meal on the table that brings families together is from South Country Co-op. Fresh local ingredients on amazing deals for you every single week. And their app gets you access to their flyer, locations, hours, and more. South Country Co-op proudly serving the community for over 60 years. You're at home here. If we asked your car how it felt, it wouldn't respond. It's a car. But if we added some magical pixie dust and then asked, it still wouldn't answer. That only happens in the movies. But if we ask how you felt about having to fill your car, you'd probably say, I wish I got something out of it. Well, co-op members earn money on every liter filled at co-op gas bars. Fill up today on Strachan Road, 13th Avenue, Maple Avenue, Northlands, Redcliffe, Eagle Butte, and Dunmore, and Oyen. South Country Co-op proudly serving the community for over 60 years. You're at home here. Tigers Uncaged. Let's go! Powered by South Country Co-op. Here's your host. And I reveal myself to you all here. Jesse and Lance. Behold! Welcome back to the podcast, Tigers Uncaged, powered by our good friends at South Country Co-op. The finale of this, which yeah. it, it's been great. It really has been awesome covering the Tigers. You and I have a special bond with the Tigers, obviously, growing up here. And uh, so does this man. This man has been a part of the organization for quite some time. Mm-hmm. So it's only fitting that we started the podcast with him, that we would end the podcast <laughs> with him. It is the associate coach of the Medicine Hat Tigers, Mr. Joe Fraser. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks for thanks for picking up uh, our calls. <laughs> we, we we try not to bug you too much throughout the years, so we appreciate what you guys are doing. You've done a heck of a job, so uh, thanks for all your guys' support. It, uh, I think the podcast has been awesome. Thanks, so man. Thanks we for appreciate that. Doing that, yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk about the season that was because you'll have the naysayers that were just all negative, but you look at this team. Granted, uh, eleven wins, but. As the year went, even you must have saw it. They progressed and they started getting better. And a lot of the games weren't really blowouts. They were in a lot of the games. Yeah, obviously, it, you know the results weren't weren't what we're used to or what we expected. Um, or you know, it's just not acceptable the the results. But I thought, like you said, I, there was only three or four games. You know, I look back on where where we were disappointed with the effort. I thought the guys. Like, they were unbelievable. I think it would have been so easy for guys to fold and, and to throw in the towel and quit um, in a season like this. And I thought each day they came to the rink and they wanted to get better. They were eager to get better. Um, they worked hard at it. And, you know, unfortunately, the results weren't there. But, you know, a lot of times you got to measure it by your compete level and your effort. And I thought the guys thought the guys were tremendous with that. And I think, you know, it starts with the leadership group, the older guys, uh, I thought Barlogi and Chorney did a heck of a job coming in, uh, two just real solid people. And obviously Bakes all year was leading by example. And, you know, he's a Tiger from day one. So, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be tough losing those three. But, you know, like you said, there was, there was positives to take. But, you know, obviously we got a lot of work to do this summer. Uh, you you kind of mentioned it a little bit, Joe, that it's, it's a season that, uh, I mean, in your – amount of time with this organization hasn't really been seen and, and it's been a while since anyone's had to go through something like this with this organization maybe the last was was maybe Willie around that time but he might have been coming in on the back end of it so I'm just curious from from the coaching staff perspective does this uh, like reset things does this change a mentality at all or, or is it just you, you know we we want to get one percent better every single day and and you just try and find these different elements for these guys to, to now work on over the summer. Like what, what does this change, if anything, uh, on the coaching side of things? Well, I think just like the players, the coaches, we always have to be learning and getting better too. Like that's, 
that's first and foremost. We we have to continue to improve, and you know that's all of us. So I think for us moving forward, I think I think we learned a lot this year as a staff. I think um, you know there was things that that we believed going into the year that you know we still believe now, and I think there's other things that we might have changed our opinions on. So um, you know this summer, it's just we we have to make sure we're we're staying in touch with the guys, making sure they're getting pushed, uh, doing their off ice training, and. You know, it's a big summer for guys, um, you know, coaches included. We have to continue to get better, and, you know, we got to carry that into next year because, you know, we've talked about it, but the results results are what they are, and they can't happen again. So we got to make sure we're all getting better this summer. Now, one thing, uh, you look at the positives. I think a lot of people were talking about the youth on this team, and a lot of the, the kids that you guys brought in really made an impact, right? You have the Van Mulligans, the St. Martins, as a coach, you have to sit there and look back and be like, okay, I mean, give these guys another two, three years. This is going to be an impactful team. No, I think so. I think I thought all the young guys did a pretty good job when they came up. Um, you know, it's not easy to play in this league as a 15, 16, 17-year-old. So, And a lot of guys usually look nervous. I didn't think our guys looked nervous. I thought they relished the opportunity. I thought a lot of guys, you know, because of the season, were, were able to spend uh, – you know, an extended period of time with us. Usually, you know, if a guy's lucky, he'll get a week or two weeks throughout the season with us. You know, I think St. Martin got, you know, two to three months. I think, uh, you know, Smitty got 10 games and Mulligan got 10 games. So I think a lot of these guys got, you know, an extended stay, which, you know, hopefully will benefit them because now they know exactly what they have to do to to be an impact guy at this league. Um, You know, they know the travel schedule. They know know how hard it is. Um, So I think, that should only benefit them, you know, going into this summer. They know how much work they got to put in, and because they all want to be impact guys, so you know, just want to be another player on the team. You want to be an impact guy, and now I think they they realize how much work is ahead of them this summer. I don't want to try and, and make it sound like this is an excuse by any means for the season because you've reiterated the results are what they are and they can't happen again. And I think everyone's well aware of that. No one's too concerned about that. But I can't help but think, Joe, looking back at last season and how it was compressed and shortened and no one really got into a vibe. And and I think you saw around the league and you're continuing to see it where a lot of players and a lot of teams maybe came out of that shortened season at different points than they thought they would have been. Did, did you see that at all where maybe that 24-game stretch just kind of impacted uh, developments or, or just, uh, I guess, more of a understanding of systems a bit more than you thought? Um. I think when you look back at last year, it was it was a totally different league. I think um, the league wasn't as uh, as tough as it usually is. I think because you didn't have the import guys, so there's two guys who are usually, you know, top guys on your team. So now you're not playing against those guys. Um, you had an influx of of younger guys. So I don't think the league was quite as good as what it usually is. So I think it it gave some guys maybe a false, um, I don't want to use the word confidence, but maybe just they didn't see the league for what it was. Like this league is a hard league. So I think maybe some guys didn't train as hard in the summers that maybe they would have, if it was a full league uh, where all the best players are here playing and you have the imports, you got the travel schedule. I think, you know, I think it was great what the league did to get us up and running. Like it was great to have games. And I think, you know, it was good for young guys to get in them. I just think, um, it wasn't as good as what it usually is. So I think there was just, 
you know, when the young guys went to train and work out this summer, maybe they thought it was going to be easier uh, their second season. I think, you know, now they know that it's, uh, you know, it's the best junior league in the world. So um, got to make sure that, that you're training and, and keeping up with everybody and, and trying to pass guys. So I think, you know, it was great to, great to play those games last year. I just think it was a little different. That's all. Well, it's a good way that you put it. I mean, you think about it, you don't have the crowd there. You don't have that atmosphere of a game. Mind you, I, I wasn't there, so I don't know exactly. But talking to Rids, it it was almost like a practice game, right? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, you're, you're only playing the teams that were in your division, so you're playing a lot of the same teams. There was no crowd, no cheering, no booing, nothing. It's hard to be in, in a game-time mindset when it, it doesn't feel like a real game. Yeah, for sure. I think, like I said, we're we're really grateful that we got to play those games, but it was uh, it was vastly different. Um, like you said, the no crowd, you know, so the nerves aren't aren't really there. The jitters, um, you know, the intensity doesn't seem as intense because there is no crowd with the momentum swings. It's just it was, it was a little different. That's all, and that's no excuse. We we needed to be better this summer coming into the season. And, you know, that's one thing we got to make sure of this summer. Not to single out any players, but I couldn't help but notice the development of Reed Andreessen over the course of the year, Joe, and just looking at how how everyone w- was fairly uh, aware and, and knew about his offensive side of things, but it wasn't too long into the season that he started getting run on the penalty kill. And then by the end of the year, he could play the forward position on a penalty kill or the defensive position and seemed like he was locked into one of those two units whenever he was in a lineup. Just what you saw development-wise from Reed this year? Oh, he's he's a player, isn't he? He's so smart. Yeah. I think for for a 16-year-old defenseman to be able to penalty kill both forward and defense, like he's his hockey sense is uh, it's second to none. Like he's a very, very smart player. Um, and he has to be. He's an undersized D-man. But like you said, he's got great skill. Um, I think he's one of our best passers. If you ask the forwards, I think they would agree. Uh, he just He's so smart. He knows the game. And he he knows how to defend the bigger guys. You know, against Edmonton, he got caught out there a couple of shifts against Sordiff and Neighbors, and he did a heck of a job on him because um, he's got a great stick. So, And when you watch it, you really got to watch him close because he's not the – He's not going to, you know, blow you away flashiness, but the little things he does in the game, um, it's just those little plays, stick on puck, his feet are always up ice in the defensive zone, like all those little, little things that defensemen have to be great at, he does. Um, so he's, uh, you know, he he came a long ways this year, and uh, we're really excited about Reed. Yeah, I can't wait to see what else he's got uh-huh. up his sleeve because uh, we got a few more years of him. Uh, Joe, if we could go back to that final game. It was a weird feeling, I know for me anyways, knowing that this was going to be the last game of the season because we weren't really used to that. We were a team that you know usually makes the playoffs and, and we have postseason hockey. What was it like afterwards knowing when all the boys knew that this was it? Because I didn't get a chance to talk to Carter or um, Logan. Uh, Logan, but I got a chance to talk to Baker. And I could sense how sad he was, and that he knew that this there was no tomorrow, that this was it for him. What was what was it like after the game? Did did Baker address the team and kind of say his thank yous? Was it very quiet afterwards? No, yeah, that uh, it was a weird feeling. But you no, know, all the coaches and all the captains, twenties addressed the team, and yeah, there's a lot of tears. It was, uh, you know, it's it's never tough especially you know when you got to say goodbye to the 20 year olds they all three had unbelievable careers um obviously we've spent more time with bakes but logan and carter were both uh 
just outstanding for us and, and great leaders for our young guys. So it's, uh, those exit meetings were tough too during the week because we did all our exit meetings leading up to to the Friday game. So, you know, the 21, the 20 year old exit meetings are always, always tough uh, saying goodbye to them, but you know, we just want to thank them for everything they did. And, you know, we will help them in any way we can moving forward here. And we just wish them the best. Well, you know, they brought along that veteran leadership, Definitely. of course, at 20 years old. And, and in the case of, of Carter and Logan, for that matter, they've seen a bit of the league. They've been in or out of the league in, in Carter's tr- uh, case. So you, you you get that deeper appreciation for the league, right? And I couldn't help but notice, Joe, as the year went on, uh, you, you saw some of your younger players really jump up into these leadership roles. Tyler McKenzie gets a letter on his sweater. Uh, same with Rhett Parsons as another. And there was an interview it was in the middle of of the uh, of the losing streak that that went on in the middle of the season, where Rhett jumps on post game and, and has this this charisma about him, this energy that that you know things aren't going the way that the team wants them to go. But Rhett never seemed like he was phased by it, and it always felt like it was another day to get out and, and prove himself. And, and so just to see two guys like that take these leadership roles over what's been a difficult season. Uh, that that's got to be pretty cool to see. Yeah, I think one of the best parts of the season was during the exit meetings. You know how many guys said they still had a ton of fun coming to the rink this year. Um, you know, as coaches, we we beat ourselves up. Like obviously, we take the results uh, very to heart, very personally. So you always, you know, you're always in your head wondering what's what's going on, and you hope the players are still having fun coming to the rink because it's such a be able to play junior hockey, especially in Medicine Hat. Like it's such a special place to play, and you you want the guys to to enjoy coming to the rink. Um, so during the action meetings, when all the guys said they, you know, obviously the results weren't what we wanted, but they still loved coming to the rink. I think that was, you know, it's got to be one of the best best moments of the year because that's that's what you want. You want guys who want to be at the rink. Uh, Parsons. You know, just talking about him, he he's at the rink at eight o'clock every day. Like he he <laughs> loves being at the rink. So same with Mackenzie, like he's always early. Stephen Arp's always early. So like for these guys to do it all season and to keep the attitude that they did, it was uh, you know as a coach, it's that's all you can ask for is because guys control their attitude and work ethic every day. Like that's one thing you can control every day. And those guys were it was great. It was a great group of guys to work with. Um, Great individuals, excited to be at the rink. Like I said, they always wanted to learn and get better, and and that's what uh, that's all you can ask. So they're they're a real pleasure to coach us here. Well, I'll say, I, I mean, I'm one of the first guys. I'm I get them on the ice before every home game, and even if it was a ten game losing streak or they're on a winning streak, it didn't matter. They were amped. Yeah. They were there. Same they were ready to go. They were ready to play. And just like you said, Joe, they, they never gave up. They they always gave it all they had, and that's why they were in a lot of the close games. I, I wanted to talk to you about, uh, you, you know, look at a guy like Kreb or Bjorklund who are now going off to Hershey and and, and take part in the AHL. Do you ever sit back like a you know like a like a father figure or a, a brother figure and just like look back and are, are proud of these kids and follow where they go afterwards? Oh, absolutely. I there's nothing better than getting a text from an alumni just checking in, seeing how you're doing. Like talk to you know, I try to keep in touch with with most of the guys, but you know this year it's Shawzy getting called up. Um, actually, we're gonna have Mason in Minnesota this summer helping with her hockey camp, so oh, nice. we still keep in touch pretty good. Uh, Quinville and Nass, and they're both over playing. In, I think Nass in Finland, Quinville's in Sweden. So talked to them a couple of times, and 
you know, Ruben's getting called up this year. It's, uh, you always keep track of the alumni. So I think that's, you know, we got a big, you know, signage in our, in our room and it's, we're a family. And I think a lot of people say that, but I think if you ask our guys, we, we truly mean that we always tell them we, we care way more about them as people than we do hockey players. Like hockey is important and, you know, that's why we're all here. But the number one thing is, is the person. So, you know, we, Absolutely try to keep in contact with all the alumni because we wouldn't be here. Coaches don't have a job without the players. So it's all about them. And we want to make sure that if they ever need help, you know, post Tiger career that, that we're doing everything we can to help them, whether it's with hockey or just getting a, getting a normal, normal day job. So, no, I, we take a lot of pride in uh, staying in touch with our alumni. Joe, just a couple more, and then we'll let you go. I I wanted to get your thoughts on, on Saha at uh, the Max tournament winning there. And if that you, you maybe caught, you had to catch some of it, I'm sure, but just to, to, to see how that went down, to know that, uh, you know, Shane Smith picks up the, the MVP and, and just to kind of see uh, where your players are at at that level and, and knowing that uh, a handful of those players are going to be coming through the organization, right? Well, it's really exciting. That's a tough tournament to win. Um, you know, you got to give a lot of credit to, to Braden, Torn, and Gavin. I think their coaching staff did a – did a great job this year every time you know whether it was josh or zach or or smitty anytime they came up this year they, they didn't look out of place they're ready ready to go so you know obviously the coaching staff at saha did a great job and you know we you want you want players who, who show up in big games and uh you know obviously smitty winning that award um you know josh and then zach being the goalie in the championship game that's those are the players you look for guys who have won and you know, when you look back at our guys, Oasis won that tournament um, with the Buffaloes. So you want guys who, who show up in those big games when, when it's nerve-wracking, when everything's on the line, and, and they find a way to get it done. Those are the guys you look for. But I think Saha had a great season, and you know, I think our guys did uh, our guys who were there developed quite a bit this year. Uh, before we let you go, I think Tiger fans would be pissed at me if I did not <laughs> bring up the fact that, uh, you know, Tiger fans are looking at the future, and it looks like that there we could have a decent pick in the import draft. It looks like we're going to get a decent pick in the WHL draft. Obviously, you don't know exactly who you're looking for, but do you know what you'd be looking for? Do you have an idea of what you're looking for, whether it be scoring, whether it be defense? At this point, are you guys? do you have someone in mind? Yeah, there's, you know, there's obviously we're going to have a really high pick. Uh, we find out, I think it's Thursday, we find out if we get uh, uh, what pick it is in the lottery. So there's there's obviously a couple guys at the top of the draft board, and we're going to get to see them uh, this weekend and next weekend with the, the BC Cup and Alberta Cup. So this is a huge off season for us. Like you said, we got high import draft. Um, you know, we're going to have two first-round picks in the Bantam draft, and then that second-round pick is going to be going to be really high too. So, three high picks that uh, we got to make sure we we get uh, get the right guys. But we're just looking for the best players who are going to help us win a championship. That's uh, that's what we're looking for. Well, Joe, uh, last one, and uh, you know the the season it, it went how it went, but there was one thing that it always felt like this team uh, was coming around. You talk about effort and determination. It felt like a Tigers team that's. Uh, that's trending in the right direction, though the results weren't there. Uh, you could see the jump from, from the beginning of the season to the end of the year. Just curious, have you started counting down until you're back on the ice and, and ready to go for next year? Yeah, this, I, the offseason sucks. I, <laughs> I love coaching. We love you know, getting out there practicing, doing video with the guys, teaching. So 
yeah, it's going to be a long off season, but we got to make sure we're we're doing the work, we're putting the work in, so that you know, come next fall, we're we're ready to go. Well, we have to do our exit interview with you as well. Are, are, oh yeah, are you having fun? Or are you okay? I mean, you've been with the Tigers for quite some time. Can we just assume that you're going to be a lifer with us? <laughs> I love it here. It's, uh, I love this. There's so many good people in this city. They've, you know, I've made some some dear friends who've uh, who've looked after me. So I uh, this place has a it's got a special place in my heart. This city, the fans are unreal. Um, you know, obviously our ownership and, and who I get to work with every day. It's uh, I'm just grateful for the opportunity. So as long as you guys will have me, I'm, I'm staying. Well, we'll make sure to bug you when, <laughs> when this season rolls around next year. I'll never forget it was in the middle of the COVID year, and I, I saw Joe at the uh, the DMV, the oh, license no. registration, which reminds me i got to get mine done. And uh, <laughs> that might mean you have to get yours done too, Joe, if we're on the same <laughs> timeline. And I, uh, I saw him across the room. I was like, Joe, hey, what's up, man? <laughs> But, uh, but but that's the kind of impact that, that you have in this community, Joe. We love you here, and uh, we're always super appreciative whenever you give us a little bit of your time. So enjoy the off season, and uh, and we'll be chatting again when the, the next year kicks up, okay? No, I appreciate it, and thanks again, guys. We, we really do appreciate your support, and just want to thank the fans again. I know it was a tough season, but we like to see all the fans come to the last game, and like, I think it was the most fans we had all year was at the last game. So to see that support, um, even during the tough years, you know, I know the players and the staff, we, we truly appreciate it. And like I said, I think this is the best place uh, to play junior hockey. I just think the fans, I think the city, it's, uh, we're, we're pretty lucky to get to do what we do. And we only get to, to do it because of you fans. So appreciate it. And Jesse Lance, thanks for all the support. Uh, we really do appreciate it. More Hockey Talk on the way with Tigers Uncaged. by South Country Co-op. When it comes to washing your ride, the most important thing is... Water pressure. Without it, dirt, bugs, birds, business, and everything else stays on. Thankfully, South Country Co-op Extreme Car Wash has the... Water pressure. State-of-the-art laser touchless car wash from South Country Co-op. Four locations, Maple Avenue, Northlands, Crescent Heights, and Strachan Road. This is your best wash. This is Extreme touchless car wash from South Country Co-op. You're at home here. Water pressure. For over 60 years, South Country Co-op has been part of our community. Families gathering around the table to talk about their day, share stories, laugh together, and just be there for one another. The meal on the table that brings families together is from South Country Co-op. Fresh local ingredients on amazing deals for you every single week. And their app gets you access to their flyer, locations, hours, and more. South Country Co-op proudly serving the community for over 60 years. You're at home here. When it comes to your choice of beverage, you have your favorites. And when it comes to the place you get your beverages from, Co-op Liquor Stores is the favorite. They carry a huge selection of wine, spirits, local and world beers. Stick to what you love or try something new. Co-op Liquor Stores in Crescent Heights, 13th Avenue, Redcliffe, Dunmore and Strachan Road. All open seven days a week. South Country Co-op. Proudly serving the community for over 60 years. You're at home here. The talk of Tigertown. Great moments are born from great opportunity. Tigers Uncaged with Jesse and Lance, powered by South Country Co-op. Welcome back to Tigers Uncaged, powered by South Country Co-op. As always, we are joined by the interim play-by-play host, of course, uh, rounding out his season, Mr. Scott Roblin. How you doing, buddy? Good, good. How are you guys doing? Well, it is now official as we are recording this. The Tigers have officially won 
the draft lottery. Yay! Let's go. We won something. Of course. And uh, never in doubt. Was there any doubt, Scott? Did, was there any doubt in your mind that there's the potential that we weren't going to get the first overall pick? Well, I mean, the the odds were that the, this was going to happen, that the Tigers would pick first overall. But I mean, you look at the the chances of them retaining the first overall pick was around fifty seven percent when you factor in the Tigers actually winning the draft lottery or having uh, Swift Current Calgary or Regina win the draft lottery, which you can only move up a maximum of two places. That would have kept the Tigers uh, picking first. So that was around 57%. But there was also Tri-City and Victoria who were around 43% that they would pick first overall. So it was no means a slam dunk that this was going to happen for the Tigers. Look, they're guaranteed a top two pick regardless coming into this draft lottery. But now they know they have the first overall pick. It's the first time the Tigers have had this number one selection since 1999. It's been right. 23 years since the last wow. time this happened, and they had it in back-to-back years with Jay Bowmeister and Ryan Hallweg. Now they get the chance to put the new stamp. This is, I don't think we can state how big of a moment this is for the franchise because one of the biggest things for the Tigers over the last number of years is they've always been really good teams, but they lacked a superstar, a superstar in the Western Hockey League who has the potential to go on to be an NHL superstar. We had it with Cole Sillinger, but he was 16 years old. He necessarily in that 16-year-old year wasn't a superstar. Mm -hmm. This is a chance here for the Tigers. As they continue this rebuild, this comes at a perfect time for this team because they have said their goal two, three years from now is to win a championship. Two, three years from now, this first overall pick hopefully is going to be the main driver towards a championship for the Tigers. This is a absolutely huge moment for the franchise. Yeah, I've I've played a lot of poker, um, and I've had a 58% chance of winning. I lose a lot of those <laughs> 58% chance of winning. That's a good thing you weren't drawing the lottery. Yeah, balls to be really good thing. <laughs> I am very unlucky, ice cold right now. So, uh, so yeah, the Tigers' first overall pick, and uh, there's there's been the, the discussion we've had it on this podcast. Uh, it's been going through hockey circles Essentially, since the last draft back in December ended, as people looked forward for the quick turnaround on who the next top players would be, and everyone's eyes going to Gavin McKenna. Yeah, I mean, he's the the player that makes the most sense in that position. Um, You know, I don't have any necessarily inside track on who the Tigers are going to pick, but... From all accounts, the consensus number one is Gavin McKenna out of Rink Hockey Academy in Kelowna. The fact that he put up 65 points in 35 games this year for Rink in the U18 Prep League, led the league in scoring as a 14-year-old. Yeah, so playing like four years up. <laughs> and I, years we're, up. we're not talking about a 14-year-old who's going to be uh, 15 in a month or two. His birthday is December 20th. <laughs> He's going to be 14 for a long time here, you guys. So yeah. the fact that for a good chunk of the season, he did this as a 13-year-old as well. Like, this is a special, special player. And it's interesting because there's been talk whether – He's applied for exceptional status That's with Hockey Canada. The, so the way it works with Hockey Canada is you have to apply and Hockey Canada reviews and they have to make the determination if you are in that elite, elite, elite tier. And there's been players who have applied that haven't gotten it. The, the one that comes to mind most recently in the dub is Matt Savoy. Mm-hmm. And Matt Savoy is one of the best players in the league, bar, bar none. Yep. So it doesn't happen all the time. We'll see what will happen in the coming weeks because Hockey Canada likely will make a decision up to the the draft in May, within probably a week of the draft. Um, I don't have any knowledge of Gavin McKenna 
applying for exceptional status, but I wouldn't be surprised if he did because you look at what he's been able to do playing against players who are three years older than him and putting up the point totals he has. Now, Hockey Canada doesn't outright put out a list saying, here's all the players who have applied for exceptional status. That really isn't made public. They only release it when a player has been granted exceptional status. The one thing I think would be the drawback for Gavin McKenna uh, obtaining exceptional status this year is Hockey Canada has already awarded one player that title this year in Michael Misa in the Ontario Hockey League. To my knowledge, Hockey Canada has never awarded two exceptional statuses in the same year. So there is a chance that he does get exceptional status in the dub. He'd be the second player ever after Connor Bedard. Um, And we did see in the Ontario Hockey League once John Tavares got his and then Aaron Ekblad got his, it kind of opened up the door and you saw more and more start coming. That might be the case with Connor Bedard kind of opening up the door in the WHL. But if I was a if I was a betting man, if I was uh, you know in Lance Dahl's shoes mm. uh, at fifty seven percent odds, um, <laughs> not very good odds in my world. <laughs> I'd probably lean towards he's not going to get exceptional status just because. I, quite frankly, I think Michael Misa is kind of the one this year in Hockey Canada hasn't shown any propensity to award that status twice in one year. But even if he doesn't get exceptional status, he won't be a full-timer next year for the Tigers. But there's a chance he does play in a handful of games like Tomas Mersic did this year, like Caden Lindstrom did. Um, Tigers fans are going to see him in black and orange likely at some point this next year if they do in in fact choose Gavin McKenna. It just won't be as a full-time player. It'd be a pretty unbelievable story if he is able to come in at, you know, 14 years old to start the season for the Tigers if he does get drafted. But I'm kind of leaning towards he probably doesn't get exceptional status. But, hey, I've been I've been proven wrong before, and uh, you never know about these decisions. Um, you know, even for the Tigers, there there is a chance they don't choose Gavin McKenna. Mm-hmm. There's there's a, a number of players who are up in that conversation. Uh, Cole Reshney from Macklin, Saskatchewan, he's one player that I've looked at that looks to be really – promising. I mean, he's playing with Northern Alberta Extreme, the the U15 prep team, so lower age group compared to Gavin McKenna, but he's put up 92 points in 25 games this year for Northern Alberta. Yeah, that plays. (laughs) It's not bad. So, I mean, for a player like Reshny, it is uh, a lower age group that he's putting up those numbers, but it's a higher point production. So there's a lot of factors that go into this, but from everything I've read, everything I've seen for Medicine Hats, Obviously, they're going to take these next few weeks to really nail down who they want to be. Quite honestly, the face of the franchise moving forward. This is going to be... I'm going to rattle off some names for you guys, okay? Oh, please. Okay. Settle in, Jesse. Okay. Okay. Ty Smith. He's okay. Peyton Krebs. He's pretty good. Caden Gooley. He's very good. Dylan Gunther. Yeah, he's pretty good, too. Matt Savoy. Not bad. Connor Bedard. Pretty okay. That is 2015 to 2020, the first overall picks. That is the caliber (laughs) of player... The Medicine Hat Tigers are going to be going. all have made impact. Wild, actually, yeah, that yeah. is crazy. <laughs> that is that is a severely insane. Like, look at, at how important that that number one pick, and that's is, not right? necessarily just Gavin McKenna. When you're picking first overall, you get your pick of the litter. Yeah, and this isn't, you know, there is a chance that it might be a player who doesn't rise to that level of those players that I've named. Sure, but the the track record is there, mm-hmm. and the Tigers have been scouting all year. Bobby Fox has been hard at work. And Gavin McKenna just leaps off the page too. So I'm not necessarily saying he is the slam dunk number one. He does have a bit of competition and the Tigers do have to make a decision. But if if I were to make the decision right now or if I was to say, hey, this is what I think is going to happen, 
I don't see a way where you don't choose Gavin McKenna first overall come right. next month. Well, I think that we're all in agreement that the Tigers lack that superstar caliber player. And I think that we talked to uh, Frazier on just before mm-hmm. we got to do this. And um, he, I tried to get out of him if they knew exactly what they were looking for, whether it be defense, goaltending, scoring. And, he, you know, he can't really give that answer. Mm-hmm. He's going to do a whole bunch of scouting here. But I think we're all in agreement they're going after scoring. That, that was the main thing that the Tigers lacked this year. The goaltending was very good, mm-hmm. helped them a lot. I think the defense is there. What we lacked was goal scoring and that leader, where you knew that when you were taking the goaltender off, you were very confident that that guy was going to score a goal and get you back in this game. Sorry to say, I don't think we had that this year with the team. Not the same way, no. I mean, you had it at the beginning of the year with Svekovsky, yeah. but of course. This is this moment here for the Tigers winning the draft lottery. This has been what this whole season has led up to. Yes. There's a reason why the Tigers won 11 games this year. The Tigers probably could have won more if they held on to Svekovsky and Corson Hopwo and had better injury luck and those type of things, but they leaned into it. They traded away players because they knew that to win in junior hockey, you have to get first, second, third overall picks on your roster. Yeah. You look at Edmonton and Winnipeg. I've been saying it all season long. How many top three picks are on both of those rosters. Yeah, And for Medicine Hat, that is the way that you start rebuilding this team. This rebuild really started with the Svekovsky deal. You're starting to see the fruits of that with, you know, players like Tomas Mercik, Caden Lindstrom, Josh Van Mulligan, um, Shane Smith. You know, what they were able to do in their call-ups this year. This really is... The, I wouldn't say the pinnacle of the rebuild because there's still a long, long ways to go. And again, we're talking about a player who's 14 years old. Mm-hmm. But the trajectory of whoever they pick first overall, whether it's Gavin McKenna or whether they kind of go off the board with someone else, that player is going to be, when you look at a team like Edmonton, it's led by Dylan Gunther. You look at a team like Regina, it's led by Connor Bedard. You look at a team like... I mean, the Raiders and Gooley for and the longest Gooley. time, right? Mm-hmm. Like... We are talking about a franchise-changing player. And it's going to be key for this team not only to lean into this, because this is the hope that we've been promised this year. Of We're going through a lean time, but this is how you turn our team around. This is going to do wonders for the Tigers in terms of this rebuild. I think it accelerates it a little bit as well. And I think... We talked about Lucas Vekovsky. The Tigers have another first-round pick this year, yes. along with yes. the number one overall selection. And you have the ability to say, we need scoring. We're going after the top player in Western Canada, in Gavin McKenna or who else. With your second pick, you can say, okay, we can maybe focus on a defenseman. We could focus on maybe a, a power forward. Diversify your portfolio when it comes to your prospect pool. I think that's one of the biggest things why Tigers fans are just salivating over Caden Lindstrom because he's so <laughs> different than any other prospect the Tigers have had for years. Yeah. yeah. And I think if you're able to do that with high-end picks, the Tigers are going to be set up very well for the future because let's just map out the next month or so following the draft. They're likely going to have a high pick in the U.S. prospects draft. They're going to have likely the first overall pick in the import draft. Mm-hmm. You already have Tomas Mersic, an eighth overall pick in the stables. You have Caden Lindstrom, who looks to be one of the steals of the draft. You're going to have your first overall pick, your second pick in that first round. Josh Van Mulligan, Reed Andreessen. You also have Ethan McCallum in the net mining system along with Zach Sahara. Guys, the prospects are here. Mm-hmm. And this is 
going to be a key time. We've been talking about the development over the summer for these players. It's going to be key for the Tigers to really hit on a lot of these picks because I don't think there's been any more important draft of the last two decades than this one for the Medicine Hat Tigers, quite honestly. Yeah, and you and you mentioned that second pick in the first round, which uh, a lot of people are probably forgetting a little bit because it, it falls by the wayside under the gravity of the first overall mm. pick, obviously. But that that's an important pick, too, and, and no one really knows what direction you can go there because there's, like you said, so many options, right? You can fill out your portfolio. You can take the best player available. Like You, you have options. And if you have a situation where the rebuild progresses quicker than you expected, let's say the Tigers are battling for a playoff spot next year or going on a bit of a run, you have this entire pool of prospects that at the deadline next year you could say, we can go out and get a real good roster player because we have a few picks and prospects to spare. I'm not necessarily saying that's going to be what Medicine Hat does. It, it, even, you have the flexibility. You have the flexibility, it. and you have the option to do it. And mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest thing for this franchise moving forward is most of this year, the Tigers really haven't had many options. Right. They've iced the roster they've had because this is the team they've had. They don't, they're not trading from a position of power. You know, They're last place in the league. I think what they got in the Svikovsky deal was – fantastic because you get Huge. a first and you get a second and a third in the next couple drafts this is going to provide the tigers so much more flexibility on how they construct this roster and how they want to take to the ice what kind of team they want to be i think the tigers at certain points this year prove that they can be a big tough and rumble team which isn't necessarily the mo for the tigers when you look back over the years mm -hmm. so in terms of the identity of the team, the construction of the team, who ends up being the guys who drive play? <clears throat> because there were times this year where you look at the Tigers roster and say, well, there's not really a, a play driver on the team. It's usually chip the puck in, see what you can get going with the cycle. To get one guy picking up the puck at his own blue line and weaving through the neutral zone and being the guy who sets up offensively, the Tigers didn't really have that for a, a large chunk of the season. Right. With this first overall pick, they'll have a player like that. And mm -hmm. this is a player, again, where it's a lot of pressure for a first overall pick. And, you know, we're talking about this being the savior of the Tigers. No, it's you, you've seen situations where a team picks first overall and you don't surround that player with the talent needed and that Oilers. player doesn't thrive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah poor Oilers. <laughs> they know that very well. So the it's not like the Tigers go to the, the draft floor, pick first overall and say, we're mm -hmm. all done. Yeah. The rebuild's over. Right. There's a lot of work that still needs to happen. But in terms of setting themselves up for a championship run, which has been what Willie Desjardins has said right from get-go when this rebuild started, boy, a first overall pick really helps you if they're able to live up to the projections and what is expected of a player pick that high. Yeah, you mentioned the infrastructure. And, and if you kind of go back with those teams and, and even with teams that have won championships, you're seeing it to an extent right now in Edmonton with loading up and dealing a lot of your, your prospect capital to make that big run. And then you have a lull for, for multiple years, right? Very rarely is that lull a one-year stretch. It, it can go two or three, depending on, I mean, you don't got to look far. Swift current Broncos are, are mm -hmm. now starting to, to work their way through their run from a few years ago. It, it's super rare that the Tigers are in the position that they're in, but it's also rare in, in the perceived speed that they're going to be coming out of this as well, because they, they've been drafting well for, for the last few years to take the speed bump quick. Like You look at the infrastructure of, uh, of forwards like Oasis Wiseblatt and, and Teague Patton, Tyler McKenzie, like a lot of that Andrew old Fasher. group. 
Andrew Basha is another one who who's an 05 and and you see this this kind of I, I guess crew of, of players that are 04s or 05s not to say that the 03s aren't going to be important because they will be and they set the tone but you just see that they're going to be able to pull themselves out a lot quicker than most other teams are, are able to and and then you have the the culture that's already instilled then you have young players like Parsons and McKenzie and Wiseblatt taking on leadership roles what Teague Patton does night in night out uh, I mean you you have this this built-in I guess kind of MO with the crew that this isn't going to last very long and it's going to breathe, breathe breathe more of a healthy relationship I guess for these players to the Western Hockey League because I, I think you can look at some of these other teams that have gone through lean years and it's it's very negative for these young players coming in learning what the Western Hockey League is all about because you're going out and you're losing 9-1 every single night with 15 wins on a season. Like, that doesn't breed positive change and it doesn't make you a better player, but the Tigers aren't going to be like that. No, I don't think so, and especially when you look at, you know, getting a high pick in the import draft, getting a player who's going to come over and perform the way that, like, Bogdan's hot-ass did this year. You know, he was a second-round pick in the import draft. I don't think many people expected just what a breakout player he was for the Tigers this year. He'll be back. Um They'll, they'll have likely the first overall pick in the import draft coming up. Um, they're going to have a top U.S. pick as well. Um, the, the interesting thing about the, the U.S. priority draft is it's so recent mm-hmm. that teams really haven't seen the results of what that draft can be yet. Right. There's only a handful of players in the WHL, especially in the East, who were drafted in 2020 when the priority draft came in because – it's the U.S. priority draft, but it's still the same age group that's drafted in the regular draft. It's just these are all American players that a lot of them you have to entice to come north of the border. So we haven't seen the importance of the draft to this point because, quite honestly, there haven't been very many players in that draft that have come up. But I think starting next year, you're going to see a lot of those players drafted in 2020 that are going to be a year older and wanting to take a shot at the Western Hockey League. We've seen a couple of players do that. Mateo Michaels in Regina. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also saw um, a player with the, the Calgary Hitman also from that 2020 draft. So it is starting to come up, but I think that is going to be a big thing in two or three years where the Tigers are going to get a really solid player at number one in the U.S. draft as well. Yeah. So there's, there's a possibility the Tigers can draft number one in three drafts this year. Right. <laughs> Which like, is pretty crazy. That sets the team up for the future. And you know what? You you talked about infrastructure, Lance. I was actually talking about this with my dad over this past weekend. What Saha did at the Max tournaments, boy, that is enticing for the Tigers to say, hey, for some of our top players who can't play yet this year, why don't you come over to Saha? You're in yeah. Medicine Hat. You're in the system. I'm not saying that's going to be what happens with the first overall pick because, you know, they, they might say, hey, we'll just – stay in BC, we'll stay with the team that they've been playing with the last couple of years. They mm-hmm. already have that built-in chemistry. But if you're the Tigers and saying, we want to get you adjusted to life in what the system will look like when you come up to the WHL yeah. with future teammates, the Tigers necessarily haven't had a crazy top prospect play for Saha yet. I mean, actually, you know, they they had Oasis Weisblatt for a little bit of time there. Josh Van Mulligan played there this series a second rounder. But in terms of like a top five pick talents playing for Saha. It hasn't happened yet. I'm very interested to see when the Tigers draft first overall next month, the player they pick, if that player will stay with the team that they're at, which which could very well happen, or if they'll be able to have that player come into Saha and grow here in Medicine Hat ahead of his 
you know, debut with the club. It's yeah. going to be very interesting. And it would be important, right? Like, I think in our conversation with Joe, be. just hearing, you know, the way that he, he talked about the group that uh, Saha had this year and was throwing all the heaps of praise on on the coaching staff led by Braden Desjardins and just how they were able to to bring guys up to speed to to play like they're in the Western Hockey League. But, uh, I mean, there, there's no denying how important the chemistry is. Jesse, you got to see that day in, day out at yeah. home games, just how tight the group is. And 100%. That, I mean, you have to think a lot of it's from, from Saha, yeah. right, with a lot of those guys? They've built themselves a little mini farm system. Yeah. It's wild. How many other junior teams have a farm system where – the whole team potentially comes up together and has that chemistry right off the hop. Well, yeah. and we're also talking about, you know, players that are going to be on Saha next year, likely, that, you know, haven't signed their deals yet. Right. And that is going to be a big thing because there are prospects within the Medicine Hat Tiger system that either have their contracts signed already but haven't made their debut yet or players who are yet to sign a contract that will do so over the offseason, it happens every year where you see an influx of rookies sign their deals so that they can be ready for training camp. Um, I look at a defenseman for the Medicine Hat Tiger system. They just drafted him back in December. Um, but out of Calgary in the uh, the Calgary Flames U16 system, Nate Corbett mm-hmm. in 31 games, 33 points as a blue liner. Ooh, that's pretty good. He's, and good. he's already signed to his deal. He just yeah. hasn't made his debut. He's one player that has kind of flown under the radar a bit because we've we've seen all these players, Shane Smith and Mersick and Lindstrom and Hunter St. Martin and Van Mulligan and all these players start to come in and sign their deals. Ethan McCallum. That's one player who hasn't made the trip to Medicine Hat yet, but is still a part of the Medicine Hat system. Diego Budazzoni. Right. We'll see what happens with him. He's a second-round pick. He's a very highly touted player, the Tigers – Wanted to take highly. He's a championship winner in the CSSHL. Who knows? He might come over. There's a lot of options and possibility, which I think is going to be the biggest takeaway of a day like this for the Tigers and getting the first overall pick because you can say, come play with us. You're going to have yeah. a chance to play with a player of this caliber. Yeah. And, and a roster that is, there's a chance the Tigers roster might be even younger next year. Yep. Quite honestly. Yep. Like, this was one of the youngest teams in the WHL this year, but the amount of talent coming up through the prospect system, I don't think I've seen in my time here covering the Medicine Hat Tigers over the last five years. No, not like that. And then you you even had guys like like Stephen Arp who took just massive leaps from where they were the beginning of the season, right? Like, you could see the beginning of the year, uh, a guy like Steve was was trying to find his way through the Western Hockey League and, and just trying to get his feet wet. And by the end of the season, he's out two hours after... Uh, the the buzzer goes. He's shooting pucks out by the Zamboni. He's working all the time. And we heard again from Joe saying like Steve's one of those guys. He's the first one at yeah. the brink. He's one of the last ones to leave. And it's that work ethic. I mean, he took big jumps. So so you have the development there too, right? Well, and I, I'm happy you brought up Steve because he's a player that was never drafted in the Western Hockey yeah. League, and that is the Tigers scouting staff. Their director of player personnel, Bobby Fox, the the coaching staff, still identifying players who aren't chosen in the WHL draft. Obviously, with what happened this week with the Tigers picking first overall, there's going to be a lot of talk coming up on who are they going to pick? Who's going to be the prospects? There are going to be prospects that fall through the cracks. It happens Mm -hmm. all the time in the Western Hockey League. And how many times during a broadcast or during our pregame, Lance, where we say, how did this player not get picked? (laughs) Yeah. It happens a lot. So this is where we say the work isn't done. It's not like the Tigers go up to the draft floor, 
pick a couple of times in the first and second rounds and say, cool, we, we got a roster set. This is where the scouting really comes into play because while you have great top end talent for some of the best teams in the league, where, where these teams set themselves apart is their depth. Yeah. That's, that's why Edmonton and Winnipeg are doing so well. You're seeing team, you've seen teams around the WHL who have a great first line, mm -hmm. but if you don't have much beyond that, you're, you're not going to win in playoffs. I mean, speaking of, of infrastructure and building around players so that your, your lull isn't extended. I mean, you don't have to go too far in the memory books to, to pick up the Regina Pats and you have Connor Bedard on your team and they miss playoffs. And, and that's, that's a reality, right? Mm -hmm. So I mean, you need to have the right personnel around in order to make things happen. And the the one note I did want to add in with Saha, which is like, it's not necessarily going to impact the Tigers, but it impacts them indirectly, I suppose. It's it's not just Tigers players and Tigers draft picks or, or people that they're looking at that go to the team, right? Yeah. Aiden Oring is a great example, is mm -hmm. a guy who is with the Winnipeg Ice. So it, it's it's multiple teams having players play for Saha, but that's how you build this this group where for for so long in the city there's been the conversation of how do you get people and how do you get hockey at those levels to, to really pop off in medicine hat no one's had the answer outside of you know curtis volk being from town and uh dylan mcpherson now josh van mulligan darren Dietz went and played in, in saskatoon oh, yeah. so so you have these players but there hasn't been the big pop there, no. there hasn't been that for a while but when you have saha and you can start now bringing kids to a competitive environment at that age, I mean, that that's how the trickle-down effect starts, doesn't it? Well, and I think for the Tigers and for Saha, it comes down to trust. Because you are having junior hockey teams trusting that a club like Saha is going to be what's best for the development of their top prospects. Mm -hmm. And I think we've seen that in Saha. Because not only do they have a championship under their name now with, with the Max tournaments, but you saw teams like Winnipeg and Prince George have players on the team. Some really good players. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the biggest things when you have a new entity like Saha, teams could say this is great, but is it what's best for our players? Or do we go with the more established route of right. the teams we know that these players can thrive in? I, I think it's changing right now for Saha. They're still so young, but I think they're earning the trust of teams around the league. They've had it for the Tigers because, I mean, the infrastructure is there with Medicine Hats and Braden and Willie, and mm -hmm. obviously Willie's name is behind the academy, so obviously you know there's a direct connection to, Medi to the Tigers organization. Right. But I think you're starting to see more teams around the WHL look at Saha as a legitimate top-tier way to develop some of their players, some of their top prospects. So that's a great point because... I'm very interested to see what Saha's roster makeup is going to look like next year. Not mm -hmm. only for the Tigers who are on that team, but following the draft here, um, if more WHL teams are going to say, no, this is where we want to send this player because we've seen the development that can come out, especially with the Tigers. You look at all the players that have come out of Saha that have made their debuts with the Tigers this year yeah. and have performed quite well. A lot of teams can look at that and say, well, we don't just want the Tigers to have that advantage. Mm -hmm. We want players in there to develop as well. And in a short amount of time, I think Saha has done an excellent job of that. Um, this offseason is going to be very interesting for the Tigers and the Saha program, especially after the draft, because this is going to shake up the Tigers organization quite a bit when they have a first overall pick mm -hmm. on the roster. Yep. The, it, it, I don't necessarily think it changes the way that you go about rebuilding this team, but it gives you another option of saying, okay, we have that figured out. Now we can focus on these other areas. You're not necessarily 
have a pool of players being like, well, I don't know who is going to be the star out of this group. You you know. You know who likely the star out of this prospect pool is going to be for Medicine Hat. It's going to be that number one overall pick. Um, it's going to be up to that player, and it's going to be up to the team to properly develop that player so that they can handle the rigors of that. But, I mean, I look at a guy like Gavin McKenna. He comes into the top league in the CSSHL with Rink, and he's the top scorer at the end of the season at 14 years old. Yeah. That seems like a guy who can stand up to the pressures quite well. And there will be pressure put on this player, and it it is going to be incumbent on the player in the organization to work through that and being able to make them the best hockey player and the best ambassador as well. Because quite honestly, the list of number one overall picks I just read out you know, a couple minutes ago, those are all players who were at one point top 10 players in the WHL. Mm-hmm. So this player likely is going to be a representative of the Tigers of the league, but this is a very, very exciting time to be a Tigers fan. As hard as the season has been, this is the payoff right here. Yeah. Let me throw this out, our, our qu- crazy question of the, the podcast. Nice. Because like now that. that you get the first overall pick, a lot of eyes on you, a lot of people talking about you, and we just spent, what, 25 minutes talking about how the future is bright with a lot of prospects, obviously the phone's going to ring for the number one overall draft pick. And with the season that we had, do the Tigers even sit and listen to these offers or is this like what you gave me with the Connor Bedard <laughs> and a quick hang up right off the hop like is there any way that the Tigers listen to offers or are they so locked in on having this number one pick that's the future that's the person that's going to put asses in seats that's what we want I, I think you listen to everything uh-huh. um, I think you'd be you know not the best GM or manager in the world if you didn't listen but I think for the Tigers, this is the first time they've had something like this since 1999. There's not a single player on the Tigers roster, including this season, including the graduates, who were alive the last time the Tigers had a number one overall pick. Oof. And I do think if they do go with Gavin McKenna, there's enough separation where you say we have to hang on to this first overall pick. I don't know what kind of player Gavin McKenna is going to turn out to be in the WHL. There, you can project all you want, but, you know. That's sometimes. why you're more listening on the phone, right? Because yeah. in the Bedard example, you've seen him. You know what he is. Exactly. He's not a you, known quantity of what he is at the WHL level. Right. But honestly, the draft is placing bets. That is yeah. all the draft is. You're betting that this player is going to be the right guy in this position. That's why you draft a guy in the first or second round compared to a guy in the seventh or eighth round. Mm-hmm. It's placing bets on who is going to be on this team in three or four years. Man, why am I not like running a scouting department? I bet all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, 57%. I don't think it'd be the most successful scouting department in the world. It's not bad. It's okay. I'm not slamming like a bunch of dunks <laughs> down, but like, I get a couple. But I, I, I think for the Tigers, you unless something completely blows you away, you hold on to this pick with dear life because... Honestly, as well, this doesn't necessarily factor into the decision if you keep the pick or not, but and I'm sure the coaching staff isn't thinking about this top of mind, but from a PR perspective, after a season like this, mm-hmm. the say to your fans, trade the first, yeah, uh, yeah. say to your fans, here's a first overall pick. This is what you've had to go through this year. This is the reward. Yeah. I think that's a big thing. And whoever the Tigers choose, there's going to be expectation and pressure. But I I do think that the Tigers have the infrastructure in place, the systems in place where they can help a player through that. Um, I I look at when Willie came into this team in the early 2000s, it's an eerily similar situation 
mm-hmm. to when he first came to the Tigers because they had some lean years, some really lean years. Um, they had Jay Bomeister come to the top of his game, but I, I think the Tigers have had a history of having very good players, but not really a superstar, a mm-hmm. top five player in the league. Mm-hmm. And odds are, that first overall pick is going to have a really good shot at becoming a player like that. And like you said, Jesse, it's a great point. At the end of the day, money talks in this league and or in hockey in general. And who's going to be on your roster that's going to sell tickets? And a first overall pick can do a, a very good job of that. Yeah. Um, I'm not necessarily saying that whoever they choose first overall is going to turn into Connor Bedard. But I think there is an opportunity here for the Tigers to have a player that fans talk about longingly like we... We do now. You know, you talk about the Hunter Shinkerics and the Curtis Volks and the Cole Sillingers and the Jimmy Hamblins and even going back to, you know, the Philanny McDonald, Tom Lysiak, Trevor mm-hmm. Linden. Like, you talk about these top flight players. That means just as much as their offensive production, I think, when you're talking about legacy in the WHL and for the Tigers organization. There is a chance that the Tigers are going to draft a player that is going to be in that conversation. Again, it's a lot of pressure and. Whoever they pick is going to be 14 years old. So yes. we, you do have to temper your expectations a little bit. But when you look at the track record of first overall picks in this league, especially over the last 10 years, it, it, things are looking up for this Tigers team, I think. Yeah, when it comes to conversations around that top pick, um, I, I think you're going to see a lot of conversation around the second first-round pick they yeah. have and, and what the Tigers are going to be offered there. I can imagine there'll be a lot of conversations around that pick that they got from the Lucas Vikovsky trade in Seattle. Uh, kind of to, to quickly bookend uh, Gavin McKenna because he's just been the, the conversation of not only this little segment, but I think he's been the conversation of the Hockey League since uh, the last draft. Uh, he's from Whitehorse, which is also where Dylan Cousins is from. Uh, so, so there's a bit of a familiarity. There's enough of an age gap there where uh, the McKennas have been able to see what the Cousins family has kind of gone through and how Dylan's handled all that down in Lethbridge. And he's obviously made the jump. Uh, what, the the workhorse from Whitehorse? Is that what Gord Miller called him there on <laughs> World Juniors? So so you've seen that, and, and so there's a bit of an opportunity uh, there. Uh, the, the last thing that I have, because we've run long. We're and, real long. <laughs> and whatever. It is, it is what it is. Um, so who, who cares? Yeah. La- last episode. Yeah. Um, what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> Fire us? <laughs> Season's over. Uh, it, it's just, uh, I guess, the the look now into into next year. Because you mentioned there are a lot of players that, that Tigers fans haven't been able to see. Uh, there, there's a lot of guys that, that are going to come through and push. And I, I think we've all been on the understanding that this team is going to look in some way, shape, or form different than it did this past year. But uh, there there's this feeling, not just on this podcast, but around the team, of so much optimism that it, it feels weird to be this optimistic after your team has statistically the worst year in franchise history. Yeah. But there's a lot of optimism about what this summer can produce and how these players can develop and head into next year. Like, it, it's actually, it, it feels good. I don't think we would have seen this level of optimism if the 16-year-olds and the APs that came into the roster over the last two months of the season, if they weren't as confident as they were out on the ice. Good point. Like, you looked on the ice any given night, and you looked at what Shane Smith was doing, looked at what Hunter St. Martin was doing, you looked at Tomas Mersick and Caden Lindstrom and Josh Van Mulligan. Like you mentioned, Basha joined halfway through the year. And he was <laughs> arguably the best player of the season for yeah, the Tigers. Yeah, one of the more he dynamic offenses. Unbelievable. Um, I also look at, it's a very small thing, but 
the two games in which Zach Zahara came in, relief of mm-hmm. Garen Bjorklund, rough starts. He came in, in midway through the second period in both games. Allowed a couple of goals. Looked like, ooh, this might be a, a tough night for Zach Zahara, especially how young he is. He came out with outstanding third periods in both games. Yeah, It's only two-game sample size. But I look at this Tigers team, and not just the, the APs, not just the call-ups, but the team as a whole. I think starting next year, they're going to be able to overcome adversity a lot better. Because you go through a season like this, and this was a, an awful season for the team. An awful season for the franchise um, to go through this, especially with a young team. But you looked at the confidence that a lot of these younger players are showing because they know that they're getting opportunities. We saw what Caden Lindstrom and Tomas Mersic were getting to do on power play. Yeah. <laughs> you looked at those players being like, they have like three combined games between them and they're getting power right. play time. But the coaching staff said flat out, we want them prepared so that when they run power play next year as full-timers, they know where to be. They know what to do. Not necessarily that this year they're expected to come out and tally power play goals. It's about getting used to the system and being ready so that when the puck drops next year, they know where to be. And I think that's been a big development thing for this team over the last two months of the season. We've been talking a lot about we're looking ahead to next year. The team's looking ahead to next year. Now you can look ahead to next year. There are no more games this year for the Tigers. And you can say we're looking ahead to next year as much as you want, but if you still have seven, eight games left on the schedule, you still have to focus on those games (laughs) and game plan and get your guys' time in the lineup and – now this is firmly looking ahead to next year for Medicine Hat. And I, I just go back to those 16-year-olds, those call-ups. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen in my time, I've covered this team for five years, I haven't seen this influx of youth in a, in a lineup before. And youth that seems ready to push for a spot in the WHL. Usually you'll get one or two or three rookies on a roster. I can imagine next year the Tigers are going to have eight, nine rookies on their team. Possible. It's possible. Um, and so next year, I'm not exactly sure what this team is going to be next year. Quite honestly, I don't know necessarily if they're going to have a one year turnaround rebuild finish, you know, fifth, sixth in the conference next year, or if they're kind of back to what they were this year, because this isn't linear. You're going to see team, a team in a rebuild start to accelerate and then maybe regress. Yeah. This isn't a straight line towards becoming a championship team for the medicine hat tigers, but Boy, what I saw over the back half of the season, especially over those last two months, gives me a lot of optimism. And you talk about the development and growth of, you know, you brought him up a, a bunch of times, Jesse, of like a player like Oasis Weisblatt. Mm-hmm. The difference from puck drop to the to the, the back half of the season. Yep. Huge strides. Yep. And you're going to see huge strides in learning pains and growth from young players. And I think the Tigers are going to see that again next year. This summer for the returning players is probably going to be the biggest summer of their hockey lives mm-hmm. because this is where you say – I'm still fighting for a spot on this team. I don't think there's really many spots that are safe on this Tigers team. It's going to be who progresses the best over the summer. Um, and quite honestly, a lot of the returnees are going to be fighting for spots against this swell of young talent that are coming up, these high-drafted prospects that are themselves going to be fighting for playoff spots. And a high tide rises all ships. Yeah. So I think this is a good thing. Competition is going to be good for this Tigers team. We saw a lot of times last year where just injuries and other situations, they had to ice like 11 forwards in the game. I think the competition is really going to ramp up. I'm excited for rookie camp this summer. Mm-hmm. I'm really yes. excited for rookie camp. Um, I, I hope that the worst is behind the team in terms of going through a season like this. 
and the optimism from the young players is really key in terms of saying, this is what we've had to go through this year, but this is the payoff and this is the reward. And it's about now developing and giving these players the best opportunity to succeed when two, three years from now, the team is saying we're chasing the championship. Yep. 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 No, yep. I'm yep. so excited that we get to end this podcast on a high note and talk about a W. Winning a draft pick. Uh, before we go, one last thing: uh, we couldn't. Lance and I could not have done this podcast if it wasn't for you, my friend. True, uh, Scotty Roblin. We appreciate you coming on here every single week and sharing your knowledge of uh, the Tigers because you get to be behind the scenes. But uh, even a, pl- a look of the the play by play and following the team all season long. We really appreciate you, man. Thank you. No, thank you, guys. And you know what? This has honest, honestly been one of the highlights of my week every week is getting to talk hockey with you guys. And Yeah, you have to say that. I, I do. I'm Con- contractually obligated. Yeah, yeah, I do. I have the, the contract right in front of me. Um, <laughs> no, honestly, like it's been it's been such a blast. And despite the, the season 11 wins, you know, there always hasn't been something positive to talk about. But I think for this year, the Tigers, this is where you start to see the excitement and the buildup. And... Um, no, I appreciate you guys having me on every week. It's been an absolute blast, and I uh, hope to continue it into next year. Oh, yeah, that's the plan. That's the plan. That's and We the, haven't the, been canceled yet. No, so. not yet. <laughs> the beauty of this podcast is that the listeners out there, they may think that we have stuff that like written in front of us we we're going to talk about. No. This was all off the top of our heads. Yeah. We had nothing planned. We just turned we the like mics planning. on, and we talked for a half hour. Planning's I, overrated. I hate planning. Uh, so are, are we doing, you still want to do an outro, or should this be the outro? Oh, I guess this can be what, it. What do we yeah. do for the outro? Let's do the outro with Scotty. Oh, it, but that's nice. Yeah. That's nice. I do like being included. So <laughs> well, we say thank you to Scotty. We also say thank you to the listeners. I mean, we also could not have done this if it wasn't for you out there downloading or going to the chat website and listening to subscribing. it. Subscribing. Subscribing, yeah. favoriting, saving. I don't know what you do with podcasts, but. Nice. We, we run one. We don't know what you do with it. We appreciate that you listen to us talk hockey each and every week. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, fingers crossed, knock on wood, we get to do this again next year. Should also thank Joe. Uh, Joe, Fraser. Joe Frazier for jumping on and, and all the guests throughout the year. I mean, there's there's been a bunch of them yep. uh, that have that have given some time, which is really cool. And uh, knowing that we can, you know, bring it back next year. Shout out South Country Co-op, the sponsor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we should thank. I them didn't want to be the guy to bring that one up <laughs> well, as a guest in here. We like to save it for the end, but <laughs> uh, but truly, I mean, we, we gave South Country Co-op this like chicken scratch idea. They said, yeah, sure, yeah, let's do it. That sounds like a good idea, and uh, and they had faith. So hopefully. Uh, we're able to, to bring them back on next year as well. But uh, but there will be a, a second year, a second season, Tigers Uncaged, and uh, looking forward to it. And it can't yeah. come soon enough. Thank yeah. you, everybody. Have a good summer. This has been Tigers Uncaged with Jesse and Lance. Powered by South Country Co-op. Thanks to all of our show contributors. Thank you for your help. Be looking for a new Tigers Uncaged podcast every week during hockey season. Oh, 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 oh.